0: Um, a 50,000 foot kind of view of the Christian uh, life, of, of God's revelation to us. Because sometimes it's really hard when you get really close to something. I don't know if you've ever had somebody do this to you. But maybe you've, uh, uh, maybe it's in your business or in a relationship or whatever. And you have someone that's able to kind of stand outside of it and look at it and say, okay, like here, here's really what we think's going on. I mean, here's kind of what's happening. And that's what we need to do, I think, in the Christian life. And in our study of the Bible, we need to back up sometimes and say, okay, what's the big picture? Because sometimes when we're reading the Bible, if we're honest, uh, if you get caught up in certain like passages of Scripture, like, good night, what in the world is going on here? I have no idea what is taking place. And something about reading... The Bible in a broad way and as we're doing it like looking over the next 10 weeks saying okay here's the big picture. Hopefully if you're here regularly you could say okay I understand how the Bible fits together and what is going on. Now our first kind of I guess you would say study about the kingdom we kind of did an introductory week but the first week was on the creation God, the, the big picture it really has to start at the beginning and so we looked at Genesis 1 and 2 and we said okay what's what's going on here and what we would say is is that 1 and 2 that's the pattern of the kingdom if you were to, to think about God's kingdom and God's rule and reign over the earth the pattern is kind of where we need to start we need to start and say where does everything uh, begin and what's going on there so uh, if you were to define this even in this book kind of the unifying theme of the kingdom of god it's god's people in god's place under god's rule and blessing if you were to def- to talk about it as of last week god's people were adam and eve god's place was the garden of eden and got under god's rule and blessing means they're under god's word and they had perfect relationships that's the blessing that we kind of came out of in that story and so now today we're going to see how all of that beautiful creation the beautiful world that they were in was destroyed like that's kind of the deal and if you've ever like spent much time reading uh, uh, or you know like you say okay this is a great story like if you were to read one you said this is an awesome story or you watch a movie and you say I love that movie. Often what you'll do is the movie will start and there might be a beautiful setting and then like everything gets pummeled to the ground and it's destroyed and you're like, what's going to happen? How can, we, how can everything be restored? I need everything to be restored. How could it be restored? And so that's kind of the Bible. The Bible is the great story that all great stories are built upon. And it's a true story. There was this beautiful creation everything gets destroyed, and then how's it all going to be made right again? That's kind of what, we all long to hear that. I mean, that's, that's, we are longing for that. I mean, if you're honest, you want to hear that. You want that in your own life. You look at things in your life and you say, this was the picture we dreamed of, it all got destroyed, how can it be redeemed? I mean, that's kind of something we long for. I mean, that's what we're crying out for. And so then the question this morning is saying like, How's that going to be redeemed? Like, how are you going to have a redeemed life? Now, we choose a lot of different ways to get that. But God presents the way to grasp that, to understand that, to see it restored. So if you're not a Christian this morning, you're kind of sitting there and you're, you're not a Christian, when you're looking at this, you're saying, at least this gives you an answer for why your life is really messed up. That, that's honest, right? You want to know why everything's messed up? Here you go. Now you can make up something like you can say, well, I think it's messed up because of whatever you want to give it. But this is a framework that the scripture presents as why everything's messed up. If you're a Christian this morning, you may already know that, but you just kind of have to remember it because you kind of sometimes think, I thought life was going to be like this. I painted a picture that looked like this and it's not that. And so I think it's just important. All of us need to see it. So let's get started. You're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to start here and, and look at this as we're looking at the study. And we'll say, uh, first part here is that Satan tempts. So everything is, is beautiful. And then the snake enters the garden. And you're going, okay, rebellion's showing up. It's like this. It, it really is. It's almost like, if you ever, maybe even like, uh, it would kind of be like, I had a friend that lived... I mean, that traveled and did different stuff. And one time he was in Tasmania and uh, they go and it's a beautiful place and they're sitting there and they're they're getting their tents at night and they're all like resting away. This is true. Like there is a place Tasmania, you know, and they're like sitting there resting and chilling or whatever. And all of a sudden they hear something like crunching and like terrifying them with the way it's tearing up everything outside. And and they, they're, like, just sit there frozen, and, like, they just hear things busting and bursting. And really what it was was little Tasmanian devils showed up, showed up, and they, like, attacked their ice chest, you know, and tore everything out of there and ate up all their stuff. You know, that's kind of the idea. It's like beautiful picture, then the little Tasmanian devil shows up. And that's kind of what we we're looking at when we we're kind of presenting this. So I think it's important that we see that. And so as we're looking at we see this rebel enter the garden. It's a talking snake speaking to Eve. Now, some people look at this as a fictional story. I believe it's a true story. Jesus speaks of Adam as a true person, a living person. All that's going on here is true and real as presented by Scripture. So there was a physical snake, but there's this kind of snake behind the snake. That's kind of the picture. So you can write this down. Uh, Revelation 12, 9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and satan the deceiver of the whole world so just kind of get that in your mind you kind of understand there's like this serpent there's that's crawl that's moving around not crawling at that time moving around in there but behind the serpent was this great deceiver this serpent who would come to bring destruction now what did he do? Kind of How did he tempt God's people to rebel? So we look at Satan tempting, but then Adam and Eve are going to rebel against God. Now look at Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The first question in one sense sounds a little bit innocent, but at the same time, you, I mean, there are some people that are masters at this, Right? They'll call you, if they have a problem with somebody, a problem in the church, problem at school, problem you know, they'll call you and say, did they really say that? Did they really say that? They're really good at that. They like to bring a lot of trouble. And the way they bring trouble is, did they, they really say that? Can you believe? Come on. Did he? And so what's taking place here, this first question, may seem a little innocent in some ways, but it's a way to bring trouble. Some people love to do that, right? And Satan moves in here almost like, we're, we're buddies here. Come on, right? Let's just talk this through. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, Eve responds with, like, with an understanding that all this fruit has been given to us. All this beauty, like the splendor, the wonder of it, this this garden filled with all good things, that's for us. God has only limited one thing from us. Now, I'm not going to go back there because of time, but Genesis 2, 16 and 17, we find out about that. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that's going to come out as they discuss things. But I think it's important that you just kind of grasp that. But here's the thing that's a little bit interesting. It, it, there's... When we're reading Genesis two sixteen and 17, it's not that you would not touch it. It's just that you would not eat from it. Now, the only thing I would say about that is there is a hint maybe within Eve that she's kind of building a case in her mind. Have you ever done that? Before you sin, you build a case. That's kind of how you do it. You think about it. You dwell and you set up in there and you go boom, 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 boom. And you're kind of laying out. So she's saying, uh, we can't even touch it. It's more like, it's kind of like people that God would say, you know, don't do a specific thing. And people will start stepping back and say, well, that means we can't do this, 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 this. They build a case for like all these things that we can't do. And so it becomes that and it's, it gets real tricky. But I think it's important that you see that. So you, there's kind of this picture now. Here's the deal. When you, when you think about God limiting them here, it, it's uh, you, you do understand they're in paradise, all the trees are theirs they walk with god in the garden it's a place filled with great joy their 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 marriage relationship is perfect i mean they have total intimacy everything about this place is like you can't get any better and so it's interesting that this kind of comes up and it's one of those things that, that i think happens in our lives now What does Satan say in Genesis 3, 4, and 5? But the servant said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan says, God is withholding from you. God doesn't want good for you. He doesn't want you to be like Him. You could be your own God. You don't need Him. All this is doing, that one thing is keeping you from uh, not needing God. You don't need Him. And so, you, if you'll take from that, man, you can like have all this and you don't have anyone telling you what to do, not even in the smallest extent. Now, what does the t- tree of the knowledge of good and evil represent? Now, this is just something I think is helpful. John Piper said, the knowledge of good and evil is the ability To judge independently what is beneficial or good and harmful for yourself. What God is forbidding is that man should choose to be independent from God in his evaluation of things. He is commanding man to walk by faith in the wise and loving care of his heavenly Father. You see that? So you, you ever do that you're like, it's just a fruit, man. It's just a fruit. But the fruit, like in this picture here, is it's saying like, I want to judge independently of God. I don't have to rest in God. I don't have to listen to God. And so it's, it's this rejection of God's rule. We don't really know exactly why God placed. I mean, there's a sense in which it's not explained like this is why God placed that, that tree in the garden. We don't, I mean, there's not. A clear, like, this is why. I mean, we say, like, if you back up and you say, God in his infinite wisdom and his plan to display his glory throughout the earth, part of that plan was to include a fall and redemption. I mean, that that in its broader picture is there. And so so we do we could say, okay, we kind of get that picture. God is is bringing about this display of his character and his goodness and his greatness and as he does that we have to know justice and mercy and all this these different pictures of his character and so he he does this work and so we we just have to say like there's not total clarity but there is certainly some clarity so to eat from the tree was to rebel against god and throw off his rule to live independently of him now If you were just to stop and say, when you sin, when you sin, is that the process you go through? Do you ever think of, like, your sin as wanting to be your own God? You, You ever thought of it like that? Saying that, like, to turn away from His rule and to sin will bring greater satisfaction, greater joy, greater blessing." Why else would you sin if you didn't believe that? So God could make all these promises of like blessings for obedience, but then we stop and say, "No, I would. I would rather. I'd rather sin. I would rather sin because somehow that's going to give me greater joy." Let me ask you this: Has it ever worked? I mean, really, has it ever worked? You think about every time you lash out at someone. Does that? Has that ever, every time that you attack someone for, for standing in the way of your joy in the moment, has it ever worked? Every time that you've said, oh, well, I'll twist it a little bit and get, I'll get by this way, because man, if I was really honest in this situation, it would really mess things up. Has that worked? It just doesn't work. But we still are kind of like, we lose our minds in the moment. Or we even, here's the thing, some people redefine their sin. And say, I didn't sin against that you. <laughs> You're like, hey, crazy, like, what are you talking about, you know? But um, anyway, so here's the deal, as we're moving through. This is what's going on. She kind of loses her mind this moment, and so we see how she responds. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was the delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also uh, gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate so she's looking at this and the temptation in the moment surpasses all the blessings she puts the blinders on and she for for this moment she cannot see any of the blessings if you've ever done that like built that kind of case in your mind have you ever done that to the point where you're like in that moment you're so focused in that like the joy of having your family, the joy of having relationships, the joy of having people that, are, that, that care for you, in that moment it's about me. And it's all gone. These, this is such a treasure, such an amazing thing in that moment that I forget about everything else around me. That, that's what sin does. It's like it blinds us. It's like the horse that has the—they put the blinders on, so he's not distracted. And sin, like so, captures us, and we zone in. Everything else is forgotten. It's so shocking if you've ever dealt with sin. Some of you maybe don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you do, but you know that battle. She's captured by its beauty. She may have even thought this fruit would be better than anything I've ever tasted before. And not only that, she thinks independence from God, gaining knowledge apart from God, gaining knowledge apart from God would be a greater blessing. Just, it's it's shocking when you look at this story up here looking down at the store you're like you've got to be kidding me you got to be you mean can she really do that and then you, you just stop and look in the mirror and go oh no like i do that verse seven then the eyes of both were open and they uh, <clears throat> and and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths is that weird they put on clothes that, is that weird to you? Why do they put on clothes, man? Like, that's just weird, right? We, we learned earlier that they were naked and unashamed. Now we see they're, shame, they're trying to cover their shame. They're, they're seeking to cover it. Now, here's the thing. Our clothes can become a symbol of who we are, and we can celebrate them. Like you say, hey, look what so-and-so's wearing today. Is that not really cool? Like, clothes we think are really cool, like putting on clothes. You know, and that becomes a symbol of, like, how awesome we are. Or whether, like, we're really, like, respect, respectful of others. How we dress, we kind of look and go, man, like, this is the way. And so clothes are kind of something, like, maybe celebrated. And you think, there is something about that that it should be in this in this way. Covering yourself reveals you understand your shame. But in celebrating our clothing sometimes, it's like, it, in, in a way, it shouldn't be celebrated. Because it reveals what's, going, what, what's really the issue here. It speaks of our sin. And in a, in a weird way, we should look at one of them and say, when we're putting on clothes, it reveals something of our sinfulness. It reminds us of the very first time that that took place. And why it had to. you keep moving forward you say okay then what took place certainly we see that going on but what what does it look like with relationships here relationships are broken when we see three three relationships that are totally messed up because of the fall three eight through 13 the relationships between human beings and god and they heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And I'll just stop there. Just do, do to, We could read the rest of that. We're just going to stop there and say, they ran away. Listen, they used to enjoy fellowship with God. They wanted to be close to God. Now they're running from God. Why? Because they know their guilt. They know that they are guilty before God. They have covered themselves, and now they're running from God. It's just a picture of shame and guilt. They feared Him. They used to would have run to God, joyfully run to God, longingly run to God, wanting to be close to God. Now they're trying to get away from Him. That's a very important when you look at your life and you say be honest like when we're looking even in the scripture of someone who comes into contact with God maybe even like the apostle Peter and he says get away from me Lord that is a you know like uh, when Isaiah saw the Lord for who he was he says woe is me a sinner there's something about being in the presence of a holy God that makes sinners take off just that is the way it happens and we see this they had gained this great knowledge but it was a perfect perverted knowledge a knowledge that it was gained apart from god god asked them how do you you know they were talking about we know that we're naked how do you know that who told you that did you eat from the tree that's what he asked them and so then they begin to blame so we see shame guilt blame all that's together all three and you even look, if you think about in your relationships, you think, well, so-and-so made me do it. If they hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't act it If you'd have, like, treated me perfectly and uh, done everything I wanted you to do, I will not lash out at you. It's your sin. No. It's not. The, the, You're lashing out. It's yours. Own it. It's not someone else's sin. It's yours. Don't Blame someone else for how you respond. And so I think it's important that we understand that. Because when you're looking at this text and you're unpacking it, you're saying this at the very foundation, Adam is going to, in a sense, blame God for giving Eve to him. And Eve is going to blame the serpent, but in a way saying, God, you created the serpent. (laughs) It's like all this stuff's going on. You're going, wow, this, this is a really messed up deal. All because it's eaten some fruit, man. It's rejecting God's rule. All of this is taking place and we see it just unfold before us. They're also going to be cast out of the garden. Now here's the thing. To be cast out of the garden is to be cast out of the presence of God. It's to be under a curse, no longer under blessing. To be away from God is to be cursed. To be with God is to be blessed. They're cast out of the garden. Away from the presence of God. He drove them out. Look at Genesis 3.24. He drove out the man at the east of the, at, at the, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim which is like an angelic uh, host and, and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So he's going to... He's, he's cutting them off from blessing, they are under the curse. They're going outside of blessing. Now, so we see the relationship with God broken. Now, we, we see the relationship between men and women broken. Now, one thing we see there is this. They cover themselves. They are not only hiding from God, they're hiding from one another. It's a very important concept to grasp. They, they're not only hiding from God, but they are hiding from one another. They're covering their shame but it is is it's it's not like they're not there's the intimacy between them will be lost by that again another thing no one is taking uh, the credit for their own sin they're blaming one another for it but also we see in Genesis 3:16 your desire at the last part of Genesis 3:16 your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you here's the battle Here's the battle in relationships right here. This battle is this, is that she wants his place of authority and he will crush her for trying to get it. That's the battle. I'm in charge. She will say, I want to take charge. He says, you'll never be in charge. And he slaps her down. That's the picture. It's it is, it is. It's one of these things where you see, and it's. it's a very horrific kind of situation the battle in marriage where before you would say like a beautiful dance where the man leads and the wife responds and it's beautiful now she's wrestling him to lead and he's pressing her back down and everybody's fumbling around so i think it's just important that you see this this relationship is strained now um This relationship is the foundation for all other relationships that are going to pass on. And so what we're going to see is not just relationship, our relationship to God, but our relationship to one another is strained because of the fall. Greatly strained and troublesome. So I think it's important to see it now. The third relationship, the relationship between human beings and creation. Work is cursed. Now, in this presentation here, he says to the woman... I will surely multiply your, uh, I'm sorry, in verse um, 16. I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children. I think it's important that you see that. Because he's saying like this, this, this work of bearing children and raising children and, 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 and accomplishing that work that God has given you, that's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be troublesome. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to cost you everything. It's, instead of this great joy all the time, it could, the, the thing that should be the greatest joy is the greatest trial, kind of. The next thing with the man's work is cursed. It says, and to Adam he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and you, you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall... Uh, eat it all the days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat uh, the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust into dust you shall return now he's saying your work is cursed your work it used to you enjoyed like going out there and picking that piece of fruit off and like working the ground a little bit, and it just pop up, boom, boom, boom. And you're always like just growing, like going crazy, and just eating it up, and it's just awesome. And you enjoyed that because it was fulfilling and wonderful. Now you're going to go out and work the ground, and these horrible thorns are going to come up, and they're going to try to overtake what you're doing. And so what we do in our modern world is we spray a bunch of junk on them and beat them back, you know. But we're still, what are we trying to do? We're trying to beat back, those things. And then we're saying like, are those poisoning us? You know, like we're like spraying stuff and it's like, it's going to kill us, you know? So it's like this battle going on that we're trying to fight back those things that are trying to overtake the work that we're trying to do. And you say, well, hey, hold on just a second. I'm not out in the garden. I don't have to do that. Listen, if you work in the realm of what some people call knowledge work, where you're thinking about stuff and trying to fix, and then it like goes haywire, like you're going, how do I beat this back? And so we come up with all these plans to try to make our work not so crazy and make our work work it's part of the fall and it's exhausting and people get tired and they say let me retire you know like i don't want to do this anymore you know but it's all of that you kind of see this going on in the battle that is faced here relationships are broken relationship to god relationship to one another relationship to the world that we live in and so what happens this last this next little part is sin and death spread it it, it didn't just it wasn't just like hey adam and eve they messed it up so let's throw some more folks in there get them back in the garden and try this again and everybody gets their little time in the garden before they like reject god and get thrown out like it's not that when adam sinned it was transmitted to the whole human race And and, and earlier in the 930 hour, Andrew like laid that out. But I just think it's important that we hear that the sinfulness of the condition in which all mankind fell is the guilt of Adam's first sin. So when Adam sinned, all mankind were placed under sin. They inherited Adam's sin. What was that? The lack of original righteousness and the corruption of our whole nature together with all the transgressions which come from that nature. So we're born into sin, but we are, we are, God said, like, you, you are, you are a sinner by nature and you're going to be a sinner by choice. Just the reality that we face. The reason, I mean, one of the ways you could just tell us, like, how many kids do you know that aren't little sinners? You ever met one? Be like, oh, they're like precious, man. They're pre-. Man, as soon as those cats can like fight back, they're like saying like, I'm going to take over. will be like, he'll throw his hand up. You know, like, I don't want any more of this. You know, like, I'm in charge. As I, I was asking him yesterday, who's in charge here? I mean, like, I'm in charge. I was like, no, you're not, son. You bend over. But I mean, it's just like, we, we do that. You see that just, oh, he's just like, mm, he just hit something. He's just so mad. Don't tell me what to do. Don't. I will never listen to anyone. He is by nature he wants to throw off rule he doesn't want nobody to rule him some people say like even as adults like we all struggle with that as we go up some people like hate anybody in authority they can build a case against anybody in authority they don't like their pastor they don't like their teacher they don't like their boss they don't like nobody And I'll tell you why. This is what they did to me. This is what they said to me. Wah, wah, wah. Listen, you don't want anybody in authority. You can't stand it. They always just, I just can't stand anybody in authority. I will build a case eventually. They just give me one word. They can say one word. I'll build a case against them. They are dead to me. I just can't. Y'all ready to battle with that? Y'all think I'm crazy. I am crazy. But I had too much time in this text this week. No, I'm just kidding. That's the that's struggle. That is the battle that we face. And what we'll see is like it just all kinds of trouble that's going to flow out of that. Chapter 4. Cain and Abel, that story that's so clear to us of the fallen condition, Cain kills his brother. He kills him. Relationship with God destroyed. Relationship with one another destroyed. Relationship creation destroyed. He raises up. He's, he, he kills his brother. Chapter 5. What we see. Not just Adam and Eve dying. But mortality to all. Everyone's going to die. And so and so died. He lived a long time. How does somebody live that long? He died. It's just a point. He died. He died. He died. He died. You see these people dying chapters six through nine why don't you turn to Genesis chapter six verse five? Just see that real quick the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. you see that? after the fall, this beautiful creation everything is lost and the result is is that it's not just on the outside what you do now here's the cool thing just if you're like Really good at externally trying to pull off, like you're real religious. What's up with your heart? What do you do about your heart? You see, you can't fix your heart. And what happens is, it's like your tongue starts telling, your tongue, tongue, tongue starts revealing what's in your heart. And so, what we see is that in their hearts, they're, they're wicked continually in their hearts. Sometimes I think, like, and I think some people, like, have jobs that, like, reveal how dark the thing is, like, how dark things are. Some of us, like, if you watch... Uh maybe like some crime drama show or whatever you'll see people dying all the time in all these crazy ways and you're like isn't that funny that was funny they just made a joke about somebody that just got killed in a crazy way and we kind of start thinking like oh that's just all fun it's hollywood and all that stuff but there are people out there that are undercover police officers and there's people out there that see the darkness maybe someone who works just with someone um, who has cancer or, or like people that have cancer and they their whole life is just like working with people that are dying or their whole life is like somebody like a social worker is working with little children who've been abused they see it for some of us the fog is there all the time so that we have to have the fog lifted like somebody in our family dies and then we go Ho, oh, oh, whoa 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 this is darker or some sin gets way out of control in our life and then all heck breaks loose. What, you know? There's just things like that that sometimes lift the fog and we go, this is really like more, more than I can bear. And I think that's what we see. Every thought and intention of the heart is wicked, but sometimes I think we cover it up and we want to cover it up quickly. And we don't see it for what it is. You know, God saved one family in the flood. What you find out is God wiped out the whole human race and it's, going to like, it's almost like He's starting over He saves this one family, Noah's family, and man, when you get to chapter eleven of Genesis, you go, these people are messed up too. Like the, the the ones that he just said, like he was a noble man, he walked blamelessly before the Lord. He's messed up too. His kids are messed up. The whole thing's messed up. It's all broken. And so in Genesis 11, they they decide to build something and make a name for themselves. It's like, again, saying, we want to be God. We want our names great. We want the glory. Just like this repetition of rebellion against God, throwing off his rule. So today, we see that mankind is under a curse. The kingdom, in a sense, like it's perished. Mankind is under a curse and they do not joyfully submit to God's rule. They're outside the garden. They are in rebellion. And this story kind of continues and you say, you you say, will there ever be a time where people will joyfully submit to God? And we're going to see this kind of go on and on in this battle that takes place. So as we conclude today, I want you to think about like if this is true, like if what we're looking at is true, and how do people, how do people rescue themselves from it? Or could they? How do people try to rescue themselves from this fallen condition? Matt Chandler lays out several things. One, he says the well of self. Some people say, I'm going to make myself better. Like I was re- I'm was, really a bad person. I recognize that. So I want to make myself better. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to like work out harder and harder and harder, man. I'm just going to. Like, and I, my presentation of myself before people is going to be like stellar. Like, I'm going to be stellar. Or I'm going to like make co- positive comments. I'm going to walk around and never say anything that is, is negative. And so I'm going to be so positive about everything. And I'm just going to be like, and I'm going to have a positive image of myself. And I'm going to look in the mirror every morning and say, I'm the greatest person ever. I mean, I'm great. And everything's going to be great today. And so then I'm going to walk outside and speak to people and be like, I'm great and everything's great today. And really deep down, all this struggle is still there and you can't fix it. But I'm just going to present this and I'm going to try to make myself better. Every year I'm going to work really hard to make a better version of myself. Does a better version of yourself fix it? (laughs) Has it ever fixed it? I, you know, and so you kind of keep going. He says there's another well that we kind of draw it from. Is the well of others. You might think, if I could get in the right relationship, man, that would fix it. If I could have the right marriage, the right kids, the right job with these people, and if I could just have all these relationships, if I could get the right relationship, man, that would probably fix it. If I could get a spouse, it would complete me and make me all that I want to be that'll fix it isn't that the heart of adultery the heart of adultery is you leave one relationship to find another that will complete you and make you as loved and cherished as you love yourself that not frightening to you it's crazy so that that struggle is there it's like trying to find fulfillment and happiness and do you know what Everything that you try to find that brings that, like if it's a relationship, you will eventually crush it. You will crush it because it cannot handle the weight. It can't handle it. It wasn't built for that. Another thing, the well of the world. The world's kind of funny because there are things that are fun about it. And he makes a point that sometimes like when you get something new, y'all ever done that? Put on some new clothes. I'm like, yeah, got some new clothes on. Woo. I just feel better about myself, you know, get all crazy. Like, or I buy me a new iPhone, and I'm like, "Ooh, that's awesome. Those new apps, like, man, I just feel, oh, you know. We we struggle with that, and we start looking at that. And so things that are good, good things like food, or you might say, I mean, there's there's a list of things, food or or, or sex or, like, other kinds of things electronics all those kinds of things that we say oh those are good things that god's allowed in our world but he's placed boundaries on all these things there are boundaries put there but says god says okay you got to live within these boundaries and that's where blessing is found but what we'll do is we'll grab something from the world and push it to the nth degree as far as i can take it and then what happens is we crumble it and we go oh it didn't work I tried to get everything out of it. If you say wine is a good thing and Scripture is presented as a blessing, I'll drink a little bit of wine and have it with my meal and enjoy the wonder of it. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I need three bottles of wine. And so if I get three bottles of wine, it'll be greater joy. And then it can't handle the weight. Because the things of the world will never satisfy the heart. I'm dumping it down a well that never gets full. And so I think it's important that we see that so the well of the world won't do it, the well of religion won't. Some people, you meet somebody and they'll say, hey, I'm going to fix myself by being religious so I'm going to do all these religious things to try to fix myself. And I'm going to make sure that everybody else follows the religious things that I have that I want everybody to live up to. And so I'm going to press them on everybody and I'm going to be real good and I'm really going to be a better version of myself by being real religious and dotting every I and crossing every T and that will save me. That will rescue me. Religion rescues me. It makes me feel better about me because I'm real real disciplined in my religious rigor. And that will not save. Redemption and reconciliation will not come by ourselves, by others, by the world, by religion. There's only one who can save. There's only one. He came as a substitute for us. Where Adam failed, he was obedient. He was obedient in every way he obeyed God. But not only that where we were under the curse, He took the curse for us so that we could be reconciled to God. He endured the wrath of God so that we might be reconciled to God and we might be victorious through Him. We come by faith and we say, we are absolute and utterly bankrupt spiritually. We have no hope in ourselves. We've run after all these things to give us life, to give us hope, to give us uh, redemption. None of them did it. But then there was one who would cover their sins and cleanse them from sin. Jesus Christ is the only hope for our salvation. And I would say to you this morning, you are lost and damned apart from Him. But if you embrace Him, you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this word from You. We thank You that You presented to us the way life truly is. Lord, we pray that we won't run to anything other than Your Son for rescue. It's in His name we pray. Amen.